You know, I, every week that I come in here, I am so grateful and thankful for the uh, the music team and the sound team. They just do such a great job, and I just wanted to tell James and the band thank you again. Um, we are we are going to begin a new series of messages today. We're going to be going through the through the uh, through the end of July. We're going to go through the book of James, and so. Every Sunday when you come in here, y'all, it's going to be real easy. Only thing you have to do is just come here and have James marked, and you'll know that we're going to be there for a couple of months. So we're just going to go through it every, through every chapter, just going through the book of James to see what it's going to teach us. But um, the, the very first chapter is just a really interesting one. The first few verses are, and we're going to be talking today. If you look on your bulletin, you can see it. It's about turning, turning your trials into triumphs. And I, I think that we would all agree that all of us, at, at some point or another in our lives, we, we have faced trials in our lives. We've wondered, well, how can, I, how can I come out of this trial? How am I going to be able to battle through it in order to see you know, victory on the other side or to see the light at the end of that tunnel? Uh, I, I remember a number of years ago, there was a report done by John Stossel, and he did it on television. It was called The Blame Game. And what he talked about is he talked about people who had gone through difficult times and had bad things happen to them, and their first instinct was to try to figure out how they could blame it on somebody else. This was the blame game. And one of the examples that he gave was really interesting. I'm sure a lot of you will remember it. There was a lady that went to McDonald's and ordered a cup of coffee. Do you all remember this? And so she was an elderly lady. She went through the drive-thru, got her cup of coffee, put it on her dashboard, paid for it, drove off, and she forgot to take it off the dashboard, and it spilled into her lap, and she got like third-degree burns on her lap. So she did what, you know, any, any good person would do. She sued McDonald's. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? She sued McDonald's for a million dollars. And I remember reading about this and hearing about it, and I thought, that is crazy. I mean, maybe 500000 but not a million. And so the, the jury, when they listened to her, they agreed with me, and they only awarded her $600,000. Now, I remember you know, going through that, looking at that, thinking, how, what kind of a place do we live in? You know, very few people, when they, when they face trials, very few people try to figure out how to get through the trial. Instead, we look to blame somebody for what we're going through. And I really believe that there is a, an epidemic of victimhood that's in our society today. And my fear is that it will also begin to creep into the church. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't legitimate cases because I know that there are, but as believers, for those of us who are followers of God, there's a couple of things that we can do with the trials that we face. Uh, one, we can, we can blame God, get angry at God, and say, God, I can't believe you did this to me. And we can just totally shut him out and begin to look to blame other people for what we're going through. Or we can look at the trials that we're going through as believers and say, God, I believe that even in the midst of this trial, that there's something that you can do for me. That there's something that you can do to turn me from being a victim into being a victor. Now, today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see James, the guy who wrote this book, he's going to tell his fellow Jewish Christians some ways that they can turn their trials into triumphs. And I believe that the words that James had for, for the, the Christian church, the Jewish church in particular, you know, a couple thousand years ago, that it still applies to us today. And so my hope is as we go through this passage of Scripture, is that instead of us allowing events and circumstances to determine how we're going to live. 
We're going to allow the power of God working in us to determine how we're going to live regardless of our circumstances. Yeah, I don't want to be controlled by circumstances. And I don't want you to be controlled by them, but I want you to be victorious regardless of your circumstances. So if you have your Bible, we're going to look and we can take it and turn to James chapter 1. We're just going to start there. Uh, James 1, verses 1 through 5. Uh, again, you can go to the back of your Bible, turn left just a little bit, and you're going to get there. And as you're turning there, just to give you some background information, you're going to hear this for the next several weeks. Uh, James is a... Many people believe James, this James, was the half-brother of Jesus. So this is the guy who's writing this book. And he's writing it to Jewish Christians who were spread all over the ancient world at this time. Uh, back in verse 1, it says, "...to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations." So twelve tribes of the Jewish people. Okay, why are they scattered? Uh, they're scattered because they were getting persecuted because they were followers of Jesus. And they were originally in the Jerusalem area... And whenever trials came, they got up and said, we got to get out of this place. And so they ran off, they went to new lands, and as foreigners, guess what happened to them again? Uh, people didn't like them very much, so they started going through persecution again. And James was worried that all this junk, all these trials they were going through, were going to throw them off on their faith. And he's like, yeah, I want to encourage you guys to let you know, even though you're going through trials, God hadn't forgotten you. That God still remembers you and that God can still give you victory in this life. Okay, so here's the question today. How does that happen? Uh, for us in the you know, 21st century, how do we move from, from trials in our lives to where they become triumphant? And I'm just going to share with you three little basic things that I see in the Scripture today. And uh, so we're going to start off with, with trials, how, how we turn them into triumphs. You're going to say, that sounds so, you know, that sounds like a platitude. But Hank, bear with me a little bit. So, so how, how do we go from, from trials to triumphs? The very first thing I see, what James says, it very simply says, have a good attitude. Have you all heard that before? James said, whenever you're facing trials, you have a good attitude. You might be thinking, well, good grief. He doesn't know what kind of trial I'm going through. Well, we're going to see. Okay, so look at me, verse number two. This is a, if you don't have this verse underlined, before you leave here, underline it. Mine's in red. Not that it's special, but it jumps out at me because this verse is crazy right here. And you're going to see why. Here's what it says, verse number 2. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, I read that and I think, that is an absolutely crazy verse. I mean, that is a strange verse. I mean, who wrote this? You know, I read this and I think, the guy who wrote this is a sadomasochist. I mean, when I'm going through trials, I'm just gonna, it's gonna be great. You know, I can't wait to suffer and hurt. Now, that makes sense to me on the surface, but it's, it's interesting when you begin to look at it a little bit closer. And one thing I like about the Bible, and I've told y'all this before, is it's honest. Uh, if you notice back in, in verse number two, uh, it says, when you face trials of many kinds, or various trials, the key word there is when. The Bible's very honest. It doesn't say if. It doesn't say you might. What does it say? It says when. When you face trials. And this is a reminder to me that in this life, whether you be a Christian, a follower of God or not, you're, you're going to face trials in your life. 
You're going to face difficulties in your life. And I know that many of us know this in our minds, but we're still kind of holding out hope. You know, if I'm really good and I go to church a whole lot and, uh, you know, I read my Bible and I become a follower of God, then I'm never going to face difficulties in my life. And just to be honest with you, I kind, I kind of hold out hope for that as well. And then I read this verse. And this verse is a reminder to me that this world is all screwed up and messed up, that sin entered into this world, and because of that, there are bad things that happen in this life, regardless of who you are. Now, just with maybe a little, uh, maybe a little like your eyes are open, have, have you all experienced that? That there's just junk that happens in life? Do you know that's biblical? I mean, G- Jesus said that stuff like this would happen in our life. He said in John 16, 33, in this world, Jesus, in this world, he said, you will have tribulation. The Apostle Paul tells us in Acts 14, 22, we must through much tribulation. Now, I don't like that word. That's such a hard word. Through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Now, if you're looking for somebody to come to church with you, don't read this verse first because there's a good chance they will never step foot in here. But what James is telling us as I look in our text is that we're going to face trials, but he says, but consider it pure joy. What's he talking about here? What's he referring to? Well, when you face trials, James is saying you can have a good attitude in how you approach them. Why? Because of who God is. Because of what God has the ability to do. In Romans 8.28 it says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. Whatever it is that you're going through your life, God can take all things. He can take all of your hurts. He can take all your suffering, all of your pain, all of your frustrations, and it says He can work them together for good. Now that's encouraging to me. He can work, work them together for good. Who does he do this for? It says for those who love him, for those who've been called according to his purpose. God can take you and he can take your situations and he can use them to mold you into the person that he desires for you to be. A person of purpose with eternal value. Now, let me tell you something. If your main goal in life is to get through this life without ever suffering, if your main goal is to get through life to where everything is nice and cushy and easy, where you have everything and there's never any problems in your life, you're, you're going to be disappointed. I mean, I can promise you that. Because there's going to be some stuff that's going to happen that's no fun. And if you're a person who's looking for absolute comfort in your life, and you're going to be devastated whenever trials come your way. It will be such a frustration to you in your life. So what are we supposed to do? We can live with hope. We can live with an attitude of knowing, you know what, God can take whatever it is that I'm facing, and He can do a work with it. Let me read you a verse that comes in Romans 5, verses 3 and 4. It says, We also, says we glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Yeah, I think it's really neat that God, God doesn't just work in your life when everything's going well in your life. 
God is also working in your life. God also has a purpose for your life, even whenever things are going poorly in your life. Now, I know a lot of people, whenever they, 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 everything's good on the surface, but whenever they, when they encounter their first tribulation, then they're ready to quit. This is not fair. And so they give up, and they are absolutely devastated in their faith. I've seen way too many people destroyed in their faith whenever they face tribulations and trials. But believers, man, we can have, we can have joy regardless of our circumstances because we have a God who is more powerful than the circumstances that we face. And He can either provide you freedom from your circumstances or He can give you power to endure through the circumstance that you're facing. It it just simply all comes down to what is it that you're looking for in your life? When you face trials, what are you looking for? Are you looking for the good or are you looking for the bad? Are you looking to blame somebody? Are you looking to say, you know what, I believe that I have a God who's more powerful than my circumstance? I was um, reading an article a couple weeks ago. Well, actually, I was working on this message, and I was reading an article, National Geographic. I, I just love stuff like that. And it had, a, it had a story in one of the articles about hummingbirds and vultures. And I thought, that's kind of a weird mix. You know, two, two birds. And, uh, but the, the point that they're making in the article, so the two birds, the, 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 as they were talking about them, the, the environment that this particular vulture and hummingbirds lived in was in the desert. So, you know, they're both, they're both birds... But uh, their diets are very different, obviously. I mean, how many of you have ever seen a hummingbird on the side of the road with a possum? You don't see that. So you know what? What is a you know what is a vulture? You know what does a vulture eat? Yeah, just dead stuff, right? I mean, great. You know, sort of like us. Uh, vultures eat. You know, they eat roadkill, and uh, and like some. I have some friends here from Lexington today. They do too. And so uh, anyway, so yeah, that vultures eat. You know, they they eat they eat dead stuff. Now, what do hummingbirds eat? You know, they eat little flowers, and they, have, they pull out, uh, you know, I guess they come to your little thing, the red stuff. I have no idea what that stuff is, sugar, and they just, they eat that stuff. Now, if I'm one of them birds, I can tell you which one I want to be. You know, I want to, well, I guess as far as diet goes, you know, I want to be the one that's eating the good stuff. But it's interesting because it says, the, the article said they're two birds, they're in the same environments, they both fly, but their diets are very different. And as I was reading that, I thought, gosh, you know what? The difference between vultures and hummingbird oftentimes is the difference between people who are, who are trying to make a choice between blaming God and people who are looking to make a choice to say, God, I, I trust you. And here's what I mean by that. A vulture, what's he feed off of? He feeds off the past. He feeds off the bad stuff. He, he's looking for dead things that have no life. And I look at the hummingbird. I thought, the hummingbird, what's he looking for? He's looking for something that's living He's looking for something that is sweet. And I began to think of us as people, and I began to realize, you know, hurt, pain, and suffering, they're all a part of life. And the Bible doesn't try to skim over these issues, but what it does is it teaches us how to deal with those trials. And yet many of us are like the vulture. We're looking to feed off the past. Whereas God says, I want you to feed off the future knowing that there is a hope in me. So as we face trials in our lives, how can they turn into triumphs? Well, it begins with a good attitude. We, we have to remember Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. It says, plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So how do we turn trials into triumphs? It starts with a good attitude. What kind of attitude do you have? How do we turn our trials into triumphs? 
I look into our text again and I see the next one is another, you know, pretty, it's a simple statement. It's kind of tough to follow, but it's be patient. Be patient. Look with me in verse number, see verse number three. It says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It says, consider pure joy when you face trials of various kinds. And then it says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Now, some of you are presently enduring trials that you never dreamed that you would endure in your life. Some of you are facing things right now in your jobs. I mean, jobs that you've, I mean, maybe you've had for years. There's a lot of people get laid off. There's a lot of questions about, am I going to have a job in the next couple of months? And so those things we had security in. I mean, a lot of us are starting to think, man, I'm, I'm, this is not, I don't have any security there. I know some of you in, in relationships, relationships that you've had for a long time, there's some things that have cropped up in your relationships, and you think, I never dreamed that I'd be experiencing this in my life. I understand that trials are very real. And whenever trials come, it's a natural question. I say, what's going on here? You know, I've, I've gone to church. I've read my Bible. I prayed. Where's God? You know, does, does God not care anymore? Does God only have a purpose and a plan for my life whenever things are going well? And does he just say when things aren't going well that God no longer has a purpose for me? Now, here's what's interesting is James is talking about trials, and James is letting us know that even in the midst of your trials, he says God has a plan and a purpose for you. They might say, well, man, I don't know what in the world it is, and I'd prefer not to have to go through this. I'm with you there. But you know what? This is, this is a part of sin being in this world, and God can use trials to develop you into a mature person who has constancy in his relationship with God regardless. And he builds that up by giving us... The, our, our verse says it's perseverance. It's also patience, another word for it. Another word for it. Uh, in the Bible, the word patience, it doesn't mean a passive acceptance of circumstances. It does not mean a passive acceptance of circumstances. It means perseverance. Through suffering. That is, that is the definition of patience according to Scripture. Now, you see, God wants to instill, with us, instill within us patience so that whenever times are tough, whenever the worries of this world have you by the throat, that you're going to persevere and say, regardless, regardless of what's got me by the throat, I'm going to hang on to God and I'm never going to let go. I'm going to hang on to Him because I trust in Him and I believe in Him. Patience like that, that's perseverance, is a sign of a mature person. Impatience is the sign of a person who says, God, I mean, I, this circumstance is too big for me, and I think it's too big for you. I quit. I, I remember a, a story I heard a long time ago. It's, it's a, I think it's a cute little story. Uh, there was a, a story about two frogs fell into a can of cream, and the, the can of cream was really, it was, it was deep, slick on the sides, it was steel or metal, and they couldn't get any, get any uh, traction on the side. And they're sitting there flopping around, and they, they can't get out. And it's, I mean, they're in dire straits. And so one of this, this right here will let you know this is not a true story. One of the frogs uh, said to the other frog, said, this is a, this is a, there's no way that I'm going to survive. So I give up. And he said, I quit. And he just quit. He quit paddling, and he went underneath the cream, 
and he drowned. That other frog watched him, and he just kept on kicking and thrashing. He didn't say another word. I mean, he was too busy. He's sitting there thrashing and kicking around. There's cream all over his face. He, he did it for over an hour. And as time went by, you know what happened to that cream? It got thicker and thicker until it turned into butter. And he was able to hop out. Isn't that a cute story? He's able to hop out. Now, that is, now to me, that story is, uh, that is a good definition. And y'all can, y'all can use that story tomorrow at work because people will love it. Uh, but that, that is, to me, that is a biblical definition of perseverance. It's not quitting. It is regardless of what you're facing in your life. You say, you know what? I'm going to continue to kick and paddle and trust and believe that God is true. Regardless of what I feel. That is the kind of endurance that overcomes your trials. Hebrews 10.36 says, For you have need of endurance, so that when you've done the will of God, as when we endure, we are doing the will of God. It says, It is then that you may receive the promise. You see, you can't receive a promise until there's been endurance, until there's been faith that God is going to be true to His Word. Now, Christians, when we learn how to wait on the Lord and trust Him, God blesses that. Where we get into trouble is where we quit trusting Him and say, God, I need to help you out. And then that means that we're leading now instead of God leading. Let me give you an example of this, the Old Testament. It makes me think of Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. You might remember God promised Abraham. He said, through you and Sarah, he said, I'm going to make a great nation. He said, you're going to have a kid, and through that child, a great nation is going to arise. That was great to get excited about it, but as they begin to approach 100 years old, they still have no kid. And so what do they do? They say, we've got to help God out here. God doesn't know what he's doing. And so Abraham, Sarah gets involved. She says, there's a slave that works for me. I want you to, to, to have a child with her. And in that way, God can fulfill his promise. So they did. That's what happened. And uh, it was with Hagar. They had a son named Ishmael. Did, did that work out very well? No, it, they quit trusting God. And Ishmael was born, and it's through Ishmael. And then, of course, they had Isaac, who was the, the promised one. Yeah, to, did you know that we still see conflict because of that today? The Middle East today really is a battle and a struggle between the relationship, the, the half-brothers of Isaac and Ishmael. And when we get ahead of God, we mess everything up. God tells us that, Trust in me. Be patient. Hope in me. He says, as you do that, you're going to see your trials turn into triumphs. Now, if you feel like you're the only person in the world going through a trial today, let me share with you some good news. You're not. There's other people sitting right here in this room, I guarantee you, who are experiencing the same things that you are. Now, maybe on a different scale... Maybe some of the stories are a little bit different, but in general, guys, we are all in the same boat. I look in the Scripture, I see, gosh, I see trial after trial all throughout Scripture. Things that weren't fair. Remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? Had his brothers, brothers were jealous of him, had the guy with the coat of many colors. They take him. This isn't, Joseph's a godly guy. What did they do to him? Did God, did God make his life a bed of roses? Not, not. They, threw him, they sold him into slavery. For 13 years, he was in prison before he ever got out. But he hung on to God. And he, he rose and became the second most powerful man in the land of Egypt. 
I just want you to know, you're not alone in your struggles. My goal for you, my hope for you today, is that you will have patience with God, perseverance with God. And you can see your trials turn into triumphs. So it starts with having a good attitude. It's being patient. This last one, last thing I see here, turning your trials into triumphs, you ask for wisdom. You ask for wisdom. Now, verse 5, last verse I'll read. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Now, the trials many of you are facing, are, I understand they're very difficult. I understand that trials are very real. And I, I know that my tendency whenever I face a trial in my life is, is to hide it from people. And I'm not saying you need to go out and share with everybody what your trials are, but my, my tendency is to hide it from everybody and try to handle it myself. So I'm going I'm to take care of this myself. And I, I, I appreciate people who try to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. But let me tell you something. If you're a follower of God and you are not seeking out the wisdom and the leadership of God, you are, you are unnecessarily handicapping yourself as a follower of God. Look at what James said. He said, we are to ask God for wisdom. Now, whenever you ask God for wisdom, what does, what does God do? He says he gives it to us. You ask God for wisdom, he said he will generously provide it. In other words, he will give us his leadership. Someone once said, knowledge is the ability to take things apart. Wisdom is the ability to take something that is broken and put it back together. Now, you might say, well, whenever I'm going through a trial, I don't need wisdom. I need to be delivered. You ever felt that way? Uh, whenever I'm, when I'm struggling, I'm like, God, I don't need, and, and I don't need other people to come to me and start telling me what Scripture says. I'm thinking, hey, I don't want to hear it. I just want you to make it better. And if you have those thoughts in your mind, I want you, I want you to know, I totally understand. Amen. So why do I need wisdom in the midst of trial? Well, here's, here's the reason why. reason why is because you don't want to waste the opportunity of trials to mature you to help you walk even stronger with God. Did you, know, did you know trials are what give you strength? Did you know that? Trials have the ability to make you a much more powerful person. Whenever you are straining against the things of this world and you are trusting God, you become stronger. And it seems like working out, which I don't do, obviously. But, you know, from what I've heard, uh, when you work out, you lift weights. Is it a strength for all you guys out here who are lifting weights? When you are pressing against that bar, is it a strain? Is it? I mean, I mean some of you guys are probably bragging, but it's not for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, just come on, be honest. I mean, is it a strain when you're maxing out? Is it a strain? Man, you better believe it's a strain. For you guys who are, who are runners... Uh, whenever you are going on a long run and you go beyond what you normally run, is it a strain? Yes, it's a strain. Why do you do it then? When you're lifting more weights than you've ever lifted before and it's that strain, what is that strain going to end up doing for you? Other than maybe giving you a heart attack and blowing out your, blowing out your muscles. I mean, what's it going to do for you? It's going to make you stronger. You know, sometimes God allows us to go through trials so that when we bear up against them, in the name of Jesus, we become stronger. Now, unfortunately, the people James was writing to, they weren't doing this. Uh, they, they had trials. They were like the lady who sued McDonald's for a million dollars. They start griping. God, this is not fair. 
These people are screwing me up. They're angry. James 4, 1 and 3, we get a hint of this. It says, what's the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not, your, is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. They weren't asking for God's wisdom. They were looking for the easy way out. Not, God, it's not what you want. Lord, it's what I want. So they were complaining. What happened to that? Well, they missed out on what God was trying to do through their lives. They missed out on the wisdom of God. Uh, when I was younger, one of my, I used to like the, the little uh, stuntman comedian. Y'all remember him? Super Dave? Y'all remember that guy? Um, I, used to, I thought he was funny. Um, he would dress up like Evil Knievel, and you know, he was sort of a, kind of a goofy guy. And I remember one of my favorite ones that he did is he had Ray Charles. And I'm not saying anything, y'all, anyway, he had Ray Charles on the show, the blind guy. And he put Super Dave, was always kind of funny, so he put him in a car on an obstacle course to drive. And Super Dave gave him directions about, you know, turn left here, or turn right. And Ray Charles, surprisingly, did not do very well. Um, he ran over a whole bunch of cones and all that. And, uh, but it was funny. And then Super Dave, I mean, uh, Ray Charles starts ignoring him and does what he wants to. So it's kind of humorous. And you think, what if, uh, what if Ray Charles had said, you know, after doing, this, after doing this little drive, I think I'm ready to go to I-95, you know, and drive up to New York. I mean, how's that going to pan out? I mean, more than life, he ignores the wisdom of his friends who are saying, don't do this. He's going to find himself in trouble. Now, he might be doing what is pleasurable for him, but he's going to end up hurting himself and hurting others. That's the whole idea of our Scripture. Don't go with what you feel. Go with God's leadership, His direction. Because, guys, on our own, do you understand, on our own, we are blind. Isaiah 42.16 says, And I'll lead the blind by the way they do not know. This is, this is a, a God speaking here. He says, In paths they do not know. God says, I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them and ragged, rugged places into plains. These are the things I will do, and I will not leave them undone. God knows the direction that He wants our lives to take. The question is, are we going to trust Him? Are we going to allow our trials to turn into triumphs? How does that happen? Guys, very simply, it begins with a good attitude, by being patient, and by asking God for wisdom. And I have no doubt today there are many of you who are in the midst of trial. And my prayer for you is that you will find triumph not in your power, because it's not going to happen in your power. But you trusting in God, saying, God, I trust you. And seeing God work in your life and turning your trial into something victorious. Think of Jesus, perfect, innocent man, went to the cross, a trial. But he hung on to God. And three days later, he rose from the grave. And it's because of that action that we today have hope. I don't care what you're facing. We have hope for victory. Let's bow forward to prayer. Before we pray, I just want to say that my guess is some of you are, are, in, are in serious need of victory in your life. I want you to begin, first of all, with you allowing Jesus to direct your life. You might not understand it. You might say, I feel like sometimes I know more than God does about my life. You know, it, it, faith is saying, Lord, I don't understand this, but I today, I choose to trust you. 
And if you're ready to do that where you are, you can just simply, quietly pray this to God. Pray this to the Lord. Just simply say, Jesus, I, I understand I am sinful. And I have no one to blame but myself. Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness. I ask you to be the Lord and the leader and the master of my life. God, I surrender my wants, my desires, my feelings. I surrender them to you, Jesus. And I give you my life. So no one looking around. If you, if you prayed that prayer or something like it, I, I just want to encourage you to take your bulletin and you can open it up and fill out that section on the right side. And, and be sure to take that line. It says, I committed my life to Christ today. And you put that in the offering basket and we can get you some information about growing in your walk with Christ. It will be the greatest decision that you've ever made. Because I really believe, I believe God changes lives. Others of you today simply need to take time and pray and ask God for His wisdom. And you need to pray and ask God. So just say, Lord, I pray that You'll lead me. Lord, I pray that through this trial that I'm facing right now, that, that You will help me to learn what it is that You want to teach me through this trial that I'm facing. Because God, I want to come out on the other side as an instrument that you can use for your glory. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. I thank you, Jesus, for your word. I thank you that you are true. And Lord, I thank you that you are our hope. You are our blessed Redeemer. And God, we're honest. This life is uncertain. It is full of pitfalls and traps. But we have a god who is faithful and a God who has power over all things who can redeem us God may we cling to you and I pray this in Christ's name Amen it's time I'm going to ask our ushers they're going to pass around the offering baskets and if there's anything you'd like to share with us during this time put that in the offering basket as we continue to use this as a time of worshiping our God
Heavenly Father, I thank you that the Bible teaches us that if God be for us, then who can be against us? Jesus, I pray that you will bless your people, this body of believers. God, I pray that we will honor you, that we will represent you, not just on Sundays, but God, every day of the week, wherever we go, in school, God, in our workplaces, with our neighbors. Jesus, I pray that, that we will know more and more that our God is awesome in power and there is no other like you. Lord, we look forward to your blessings and we pray that we will bless you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.